everybody. There you are. And here we are. Welcome to the Pastor Mike Drop Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Householder, and I'm joined by my co-host, Emily. Hi. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Good. We had a staff retreat yesterday. It was really fun. It was fun. You were a bowling champion of sorts in your lane, at least. I, I, the bowling part is true. The champion part, okay. maybe not, not so much. I, however, ben won. was a champion. I won uh, lowest score because it's like golf, right? Yeah. <laughs> the best part about that is when you told me you didn't know you were such a bad bowler. Like, yeah, I was what like, a letdown. Uh, yeah, I was, I'm like, I'm, I'm pretty good at this. And then it uh, turns out I'm the worst on our staff. So that's not, not only am I not pretty good at it, I'm literally the worst. To be fair, we didn't all bowl. So the there could be somebody. There could yeah, be that somebody is not much consolation. I could be that somebody. I'm, I'm only better than the people that aren't interested in it. <laughs> better to have actually tried, though, Ben. It's and true. you got Good a prize for it. I got so. a prize. So, you know, I'm really excited. To... Bowling lessons? Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that should have been a prize. Yeah. <laughs> From the person who got the highest score, which I don't even know who that was. That was Pastor Murph. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Who knew? Yeah. Uh, he actually an excellent has a bowler. golf score and a high bowling score, so he doesn't get it backwards like it, I did. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Once a year, our staff... We take a few hours and we go out and we just uh, super fun. Take a break. Yeah, it's good for that us. Was, it's good. It's good to retreat. That's in our reading for yeah. this week. Yeah. Well, we're already to it, but we have with us Pastor Ben, family life pastor. Hi, Ben. Hi. And Pastor Pat Quaid, who leads our Waukee campus. Hi, hey. Pat. Hello. Hi, Pat. Hello, Hi, Ben. Welcome. Glad Thank to be you. here. Yeah. Thanks. Good to have you guys here. We've got a lot to cover, and uh, we also have an option starting today yeah. where you can uh, send your questions in, and those are available live right now. How, I'm not sure exactly how that happens. On our social media platforms. We Thank have, you. Yes, have you can send them in via social media. Those. There's no way we're going to be able to get to all of them Yeah. because we already have dozens and dozens of questions that we boiled down into these questions, but we will try. And the mm-hmm. ones that we don't get to, you have other ways of uh, asking those questions and getting those answered. We're all available as pastors and, um, you know, you can talk to us at services, Bible studies, uh, email, whatever, call mm-hmm. the church. We are here for you. Uh, so please let us know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Questions are coming in as we speak. Yes. So. A lot of Old Testament. So I would also say our Wednesday night West Des Moines opportunity is focused on the Old Testament in our chapel at 6 p.m. today. Yeah. Even. yeah. That's great. And thanks. Thanks to all of you for tuning in. We're we're hearing that these podcasts are like moving up uh, in terms of numbers of people tuning in and watching, and um, it's making it's making a dent. Getting getting people into God's Word is a very very good thing. But we've got some questions. We've got your questions coming in now. We've got questions that have been coming in all week mm-hmm. on our Bible reading. So let's get to it with some help of Ted. Lasso. Why don't we just jump right in? Anybody got any questions? Oh yeah, no, should have saw that coming. <laughs> should have saw this coming. <laughs> Why was Jesus honored everywhere except his own hometown? Oh, great question. I, you know, it's always hard to be the superstar in a community because mm-hmm. everybody is looking for that, well, what's that weak spot? What's that soft spot? What's that blind spot? And uh, for Jesus, we we hear in today's reading that he had four brothers and a number of sisters. So he has a large family in this community. And we knew that there was a synagogue in Nazareth. And so uh, the scriptures tell us over and over again that Jesus would frequent there and share or you know, drop a bomb of a, uh, here's, here's what this means. And Mm -hmm. after a while, that has to build up over a while, a little bit of resentment around the Pharisees and, and those Mm -hmm. that were in positions of power. And then also wondering, is this going to come true? And I think, I think after a while for, for the, the family, uh, family of origin, as well as for the, the community there, they were just growing weary and tired of the fact of 
you know what you're saying is talking about a new kingdom. That's putting a little bit of a light on us, and we don't really appreciate that because we don't quite understand it. And I think that that's that's the rub. Hmm. Interesting. I I you know, uh, your dad was a pastor. Your brothers are pastors. For me, I'm the first pastor in my family. I think, mm-hmm. and um, you know when uh, you tell people that don't know you're going to be a pastor, they go, oh, wow. When you tell your brothers you're going to be a pastor, they go, oh, they're there, and they give you a pat on the head. <laughs> you know, it's like, that's cute, you know? And I've, I've had situations where I've said the same thing that I've said to other people that were really helpful for them mm-hmm. in a pastoral context to people in my family, and your family's like, Pfft. you know? Oh, and so sure. I, th- I think there's something that goes with being a... There's this intimacy that creates... Um, uh, complacency yeah. in family. There's this uh, sense of familiarity that goes, that breeds contempt. You know, I think familiarity also breeds underestimation sometimes. Yeah, for and sure. And so the the Nazarenes would know Jesus from boyhood, growing up, seeing him around the town streets, uh, coming in and out. Well, and that's you, what they said. This is a carpenter's son. Exactly, it's a carpenter's kid, and and we know him, and we know um, that he's familiar to us in that mm-hmm. familiar familiarity <laughs> that from the fact that they knew him so well <laughs> i don't know why i can't say familiar today but there it is they were so familiar with him that they underestimated him it's, it's almost like uh superman working at the daily planet in a way yeah they didn't they were closest to him but they didn't know yeah. that's just clark you know that's yeah. just clark Kent. he's he's not superman that underestimation you know you put somebody in a box you don't see that person's true identity or their true potential I think they missed that in Jesus, and it makes sense. Prophet's not, you know, going to be revered or known or welcomed in his hometown, and that's this classic verse. So, good question. Keep them coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's the significance of Jesus sending out his disciples to preach, heal, and cast out demons? Well, um, for me, I'll just pop in with this one. I think it's really beautiful that teaches us something about God that He trusts us with stuff. Yeah. Mm. Um. He could do it all on his own. He's God. He doesn't need us for anything, but he decides, you know how I'm going to save people? Through other people. And it's interesting the Bible talks about the 12 disciples as the disciples. And then uh, in this story, after he sends them out, uh, it refers to them as apostles. Mm-hmm. And the, the word disciples has a different definition than apostle. A disciple is a student, which mm-hmm. they still are after this. but. Right. They become a po- they become ambassadors, which is what an apostle is. You become an ambassador of the kingdom of God when when God sends you out. And over and over again throughout the Bible, God sends the people of God to the world. From the very beginning, the the promise that God gives to Abraham to bless him, he doesn't say, "I'm going to bless you because you're amazing." He says, "Because I love you, I'm going to bless you." so that you can go and bless the world, so that the nations will know me through you. And I think that's really cool. Yeah. Those titles, those I still remember in seminary when I learned those Greek words for disciple and for apostle, and I thought how cool that the original definition of those words, disciple, student, as you said, Ben, and apostle sent out or ambassador, somebody yeah. who sent, that really helps define the, the nature of both of them. Now they'll continue to be called disciples, as you said. Yeah. Because we continue to be students, right? As pastors, as Christians, uh, who aren't pastors, the other cool thing about this is we're all called out. Yeah, uh, we're we're all sent out. We're all we're all given. 
Apostle isn't a title so much as it's a calling. Yeah. A disciple isn't a title so much as it's, you know, it's like, oh, you've earned the title disciple. It's it's who you are. Be a hungry student for God's word. Right. It's why we're reading the whole Holy Bible in a year this year together as a church. We want to be disciples. We want to be students. Mm-hmm. We want to be apostles. We want to carry out this mission, uh, this calling that God has given to us to be his church. Uh, so... You know, teamwork makes the dream work. Uh, the more the merrier. God, God calls us into the game. Yeah, and you know, being a witness or an apostle of going out and sending means give to give witness. Like, yeah, give yeah. witness mm-hmm. to what Christ has done or what Jesus was doing at this time. He was giving the disciples and you know this amazing opportunity to go out in His name and to cast out the demons and bring and bring healing to communities that you know they had heard about it. They had you know, been going to the synagogue on a routine basis, offering sacrifices, and all of a sudden you have these witnesses um, who are showing up and saying, you know what, we're coming in with a different power and authority. And that's 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 the action of Mark that I love so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, having, having traveled all over the place is, you know, a, an opportunity to be an ambassador of hope, uh, but more importantly of Jesus Christ. Yes. Uh, you, you see, you see that there is something attractional um, for people who have been living in a similar pattern, and all of a sudden you go and you offer a word of hope or encouragement, mm-hmm. or or even if God acts, an opportunity of healing, and um, and then you see a whole community galvanized around this word, um, mm-hmm. and I think that's that's a powerful thing for us even today in the twenty first century. Yeah, I think you said something really important there. That I just want to hit real quick. It, Mark six verse seven. It's authority. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We have more authority than we think. Mm-hmm. We, 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 the church today, not just right. these disciples who are sent out to be apostles back then. Those of us who call ourselves followers of Jesus, Christians today, you have been given authority. He gave them authority to do these things, to, to, to preach, to teach, to, to heal the sick, to cast out demons. Um, we are God. I'm not no. saying that. No. Not even close to saying that, nope. mm-hmm. but we are called and mm-hmm. we are the body of Christ and we have authority, God, God-given authority, not, oh, we've earned it because mm-hmm. we're so great. God just says, you're the body of Christ, now act like it. Yeah. You, you've got that authority. That's really good. Speaking of being witness, uh, one of the questions we, that has already come in is, after many healings, Jesus tells those healed to not tell others, but not always. Mm-hmm. Does that change based on the audience or why sometimes? Yeah, I... You know, we talked about this in some pastors' meeting the last week, which I thought was really <laughs> fascinating. Multiple times, people will read this, and if you haven't read the Gospels for a while or you've never read them before, it's a little surprising. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of surprises yeah. if you actually read the Bible, which are all good. Yeah. All are good. Yeah. Not all are easy, but mm-hmm. all are good because they all strengthen and deepen our faith. Why does Jesus say after he does great miracles consistently, don't tell anybody? And I think. There's several reasons. One is a, is, a, is a deep theological kingdom mission purpose reason. But even on a more practical level, and we've talked about this before, Jesus, it's not his time yet. He mm-hmm. hasn't gone to, he's sent into the world ultimately to die on a cross and rise from the dead. He isn't sent into the world ultimately <laughs> just to heal the sick. Right. He isn't sent into the world ultimately just to cast out demons. He isn't sent into the world just to be a great teacher or revolutionary leader. He's sent to be the savior of the world. Mm-hmm. And so you get that sense reading Mark's gospel. The crowds are a bit of a logistical problem. Mm-hmm. And we talked about this last yeah. week on the podcast. That problem is keeping Jesus, could potentially keep Jesus from being able to get to Jerusalem to die on the cross. And so he's saying, not yet, 
of course, after he rises from the dead, he's like, tell everybody. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. feel like a lot of ways it's like comedy, right? Comedy is all about timing. Yeah. And <laughs> if, if you get to the punchline before the setup's over, it doesn't work. You have to have enough, the right setup. To get to the other side. Right. Oh, sorry. That was yeah, a punchline well, oh, of the joke. Why did the chicken? Oh, oh, yeah. No, like <laughs> when, when, when you're in this place where the, the setup's not, you haven't done the right setup, then the punchline's not going to have its That's power. I also think one of the things you see, too, is when he says, and you see this here in, in this section of Mark, where he's like, don't tell anybody. But the more he told people not to tell people, the more they actually did. Yeah. And maybe that's part of it, too. It's like, it's reverse psychology. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> and then they'll tell everybody. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, life transformed or changed. It's people start looking and asking questions. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be inevitable that you're going to share yeah. where and how that happened. Sure. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Um, next, in the feeding of the 5,000 and Jesus walking on water, they're both familiar biblical stories. What are some of the finer and fun details that Mark's telling us in the, about these stories? Uh, I'll start briefly and just say there's some beautiful details. Mark's a literary masterpiece. And one of the things is why, what's the motivation? I think sometimes we yeah. get so quick into the details for this. Why does Jesus feed the the crowd of 5000 that's just the men so add the women and children so mm-hmm. you're talking 10 15 20000 people which also gets back to that last question that's a kind of a crowd yeah. control logistical challenge so jesus gets off the boat probably tired his disciples are done for the day <laughs> you can just <laughs> right. sense that in, in the in the in the way the the passage develops they want jesus to tell everybody to go home fend for yeah. themselves um, you you know, take care of your own meals. But Jesus has compassion on them. It says in yeah. uh, verse 34, that that's, he loves us. He loves the crowds. He loves the people. He's not trying to avoid them. He truly loves them. And he, because of his compassion, because of his love for them, he's going to feed them. And then he's going to call the disciples back into the game too. Say, hey, you feed them. Here's, here's, yeah. here's the food I For just sure. blessed. Watch what happens. Yeah. It's going to be really cool. <laughs> you know, every, uh, filet of fish sandwiches for everybody today. You know, <laughs> Everyone's going to be fed, um, and it's going to be a lot of fun. The, the other neat detail there, just in the food story, is the leftover baskets. Yeah. Not only am I going to feed you, but say more about that, you guys. Well, when, when, you, when you look at the... Um, when you look at the leftover baskets, it's easy to see that there's abundance here, and God mm-hmm. gives abundantly, and mm-hmm. God gives more than enough, and you, there's, you don't have to worry about having enough. But it's, you can think about that abundance with Jesus' compassion. And then when you see where this happened, it says, his disciples came up to him and began saying, this place is a desolate place. It's already quite late. There's something really important about that detail, too, because they're in the wilderness, He's feeding people in the wilderness. Hmm, anybody that's doing our Old Testament readings will also think, you know, hopefully that triggers something. The fact that Jesus feeds people in the wilderness and there's leftovers yeah. says something about what mm-hmm. we've read in the Torah that recently, where you read Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and you read the giving of the manna, right? Mm-hmm. God gives his people bread and meat. Mm-hmm. And here Jesus gives his people bread and meat. Mm-hmm. And... They're not supposed to keep the leftovers in the Old Testament, but Jesus gives abundantly, and there's enough leftover for twelve baskets. Mm-hmm. There's twelve tribes in Israel. The numbers are important in this in this story. This 
speaks about the way that God is fulfilling the things that we're told about in the Old Testament in a really powerful way. Interesting. There's also 12 disciples going out feeding them, and they each get a basket left right. over. It's like not mm. only for them, but for you too. Those who yeah. serve get fed. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then with the feeding of the 4,000, a story that comes just a little bit afterwards, there's seven baskets left over for the crowds of, you know, we say 4,000 men. We know that that's probably multiplied and and then some, but, uh, you know, seven is a sign of goodness, perfection, Mm -hmm. uh, completion. Mm -hmm. Um, And so Mark is not going to miss that detail. This is, this is about Jesus, the Christ, who is the Messiah. He is, he is the completion. Mm -hmm. So interesting. Mark doesn't miss details. No, I mean no. he, he's you, you just you both mentioned that the numbers, Pat, the seven, the twelve, Ben, uh, but just the way that happens, the the meat, the bread, the the connection to the Old Testament. We're going to read about that in just a couple chapters in Mark nine. We you know yeah. part of our reading this week too, the Transfiguration. It's Moses. It's Elijah. They're on a mountaintop. They're overcome by a cloud. Well, that's just right back to Mount Sinai. It's yeah. what we're reading in the Old Testament exactly. the last few weeks. Mm-hmm. This is God's people journeying and wandering. And so then this too, which is going to lead into our next question, I think, or one of our next questions mm-hmm. down the road that I heard we have coming, which is uh, still the disciples don't quite get it, mm-hmm. which yeah. gives us the freedom. And especially, okay, look, Bible readers, <laughs> podcast listeners, if you aren't getting this all, it's okay. Right. Yeah. You're, you're, you're in good stick, company. Yeah, that's right. Stick with it. This is the story of everybody who follows Jesus, who believes in God. We never fully, completely get it, but we can grow and, yeah. and, and, and we can get closer and closer to it as we go. Uh, at the end of the of the Jesus walking on water story. It says mm-hmm. the disciples still didn't quite, they're still talking about the loaves. They're like, I still don't <laughs> quite get that, yes. what that was all about. And uh, then Pat, you brought up, then Jesus feeds 4,000 next time. Mm-hmm. And they still, they after, still don't get at, after Jesus just fed 5,000, they're did. like, where are we going to get food? <laughs> it's like, um, weren't you with me just a few days ago yeah. when I did this same miracle? So mm-hmm. that's comforting to me. Yeah, as as somebody who doesn't always get it right, absolutely, and doesn't need to be perfect. We, you do not need to be perfect to follow God. Yeah, to be a, a Christian, to belong to Christ. In fact, um, God embraces that and says, "Hey, let me just keep working, continue so, to work on." Yeah, you. and sometimes in our weakest moments, uh, that's where we find God, right? And we For get to sure. see God's activity moving through our weakness, and His strength is 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 magnified, and 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 it's just mm-hmm. a powerful story for wherever we are in our walk with faith, yeah. that God God calls us into a loving relationship with Him, and He provides us with more. That's mm-hmm. so good, Pat, because the fact that they're in a desolate place <laughs> and they experience God's compassion and God's abundance, it shouldn't be lost in us. Mm-hmm. What feels like desolation in Scripture and in our lives is God developing us, God using those desolate situations and places right to grow us into who God has called us to be. Mm-hmm. And and you see Jesus too. He, he just heard that his cousins died. Yeah. And here he is and he has compassion and he's looking for rest. He's looking for a quiet place and it doesn't keep him from being who he's meant to be. Mm. Isn't, it, isn't it interesting following Jesus who says the first or last and the greatest will be the chief servant. So I'm flipping the the world. I'm, fl- I'm flipping the, the, like what's most important and it's right side up now. So in a world like that, where we think I have to get everything right in order to really understand, in mm. order to really mm. be a good Christian, I have to get everything right. When in reality, God uses both our suffering, times of suffering, which would seem like the most wrong thing ever, mm. <laughs> right. and also our times of misunderstanding. So we take things like suffering and misunderstanding and says, 
And God says, watch how I use this. Mm-hmm. Watch how I use this to grow you. Where the world would say, if if you misunderstand or you get it wrong or you're suffering, something's got to be terribly wrong. Or we dismiss you. Yeah, or you're out. Yeah. You don't get to hang out in our right. club anymore because, right. because you made a, a horrendous mistake. Jesus is full of grace and truth. And that truth is he's got grace. And he shows up in our lives to say, the God who made you loves you and forgives you and, and, and invites you again and again to get a do-over. Yeah. Um, and so as we read through the Bible this year, and we get new revelations, and we will, and we have, <laughs> and we will continue to, that's a wonderful thing because you say, oh, I never understood that before. I never got that. So we're growing, we're growing, we're growing, mm-hmm. and that's going to draw us closer to God, but not because we're getting perfected, but because God has got a grace, and that's what we're going to learn. Yeah. God is a God of grace and he yeah. finds us in our suffering and in our misunderstandings. Our next one is one that we had and that has already come in online because I think it's a little confusing. Uh, why did you, why did Jesus uh, say to a Gentile woman in Mark seven, that it isn't right to take food from the children and throw it to the dogs? Good question. Yeah. Um, this is one I'm really passionate about because I think a lot of people read this and it sounds on the surface. And when we don't understand what's happening, like Jesus is being racist. Like mm. Jesus is saying, depending on your race, you get different things. Mm. And that is, I just want to say unequivocally, this is not what Jesus is about. This is not what Jesus is You're going is doing. on record and saying Jesus is I'm, not racist. I'm going on the yeah, record okay. to say I, Jesus. I will concur. Yes. Now, I think now, we all do. Now l- let me make the argument for it. Uh, when we look at when we look at scripture, if you come up against anything you don't understand, mm-hmm. I want you to uh okay, first stop, pray. And encourage, um, encourage yourself by knowing, okay, maybe I don't understand what's going on. And then uh, look, look at the context. Look at the things that are happening around it. And I think as we do this, this all of a sudden starts to make a whole lot more sense. Because if you look at this passage, um, we can learn some things from the geography. We can learn some things by what Jesus does before this. Right before this, Jesus says uh, that... You're in Mark 7. I'm in Mark 7, right? So if you go uh, 18 to 23 and you read uh, the story of the Syrophoenician woman, the Greek woman, in context of this, Jesus makes all things that are unclean to eat clean, right? Mm -hmm. This is one of the really big markers between Jewish and Gentile people. So Jesus is setting us up for... It's, it's again like comedy. You do you have the setup and you have the punchline. Uh, this is a, another way that people understand the the feeding of the five thousand, the feeding of the four thousand. There's twelve baskets left over that can represent the twelve tribes of Israel. And they used to say there were seven nations in the world. It's a way of talking about how you know seven is the number of wholeness. Well, he does that feeding in a place where there's a lot of Gentiles. Right. So you have Jesus you know, saying something not only through all these sermons, but uh, it, through each of them, but through all of them together. And and again, this is the, the beauty, the beauty of Mark's literary power. It is. And so what Jesus is doing is taking what they expect, which would be for a Jewish man to call a Gentile woman, a dog. Right. And he flips it on its head. He flips it right side up. Yes. And so Jesus takes what they expect and he he isn't calling her a dog. He's calling her a child of God because he says, "I'm not going to throw good things to the dog. Good things to the dogs. They belong to the children, and you're a child, and that's why I healed your your daughter." Yeah. 
Yeah. And and he does it without even having to go see her. Hmm. Yeah, the phrase dog uh, is is something that I think sometimes can get overlooked in our culture today because Jesus was sent to bring a message to the people of Israel right. before the nations. And so, uh, you know, that term was was something that was known in that in that world um, that Jesus is making a comment of the fact that I'm here to open the eyes of the people of Israel, God's chosen people, yep. and then I will share the rest of the food with others from other nations. The funny thing here is, and as you dive into it, the Greek word for dog is scion. Mm-hmm. And and that's a, that's a pretty powerful word, especially when you go backwards a little bit in the text for today's reading, when Jesus is sending out his disciples. Mm-hmm. It wasn't uncommon in those days that you had cynics, again, taking from the root <laughs> scion, um, who were barking constantly about oh. the fact that the world was falling apart and that you had to repent, but there was no offering of hope. So here you have all of a sudden Jesus not only speaking the fact that I'm here to fulfill this specific thing to, to open the eyes of my people and 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 with this gentleness of, of, of the Syrian Phoenician knowing this, um, she then makes a very, very acknowledgement like, yes, I understand that, but even um, even the even the dogs are even fed by the children's plate. And in some ways that's remarking the fact that if you, if you don't, if your word is not for all people, um, then you're going to have another nation of people that are going to rise up against you as well. And so it's, 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 it's a literary masterpiece in my mind. Uh, There's more going on here. Well, and and then if you look at um, the geography of the thing, uh, he's, he goes to the region of Tyre and Sidon. Mm-hmm. He, it doesn't talk about him doing any other thing. I'm glad he, you brought that up. He goes to like 35 to 50 miles out of his way mm-hmm. uh, geographically. He comes to this one woman, has this conversation, heals her daughter, and then he leaves. Yeah. Like if, if he's not interested in helping and serving and healing people that aren't Jewish, right. like he went really far out of his way to not do that. <laughs> that, was a, that was a really uh, big detour for somebody who doesn't care about the people he's right. taking the detour right. to go mm-hmm. see. Interesting. And, and Mark, in his brilliance, uses this in the midst of a chapter where he starts by ta- teaching what Jesus teaches about inner purity and what makes yeah. us righteous, as, as you talked mm-hmm. about the food in and out and those kinds of things, and what really makes us pure goes beyond what we say with our lips. It goes beyond our rituals. It goes beyond the things that we do. It has everything to do with our hearts. Yeah, There's that famous verse that Jesus quotes from Isaiah here at the beginning of chapter seven. These people honor with honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from mm-hmm. me. And then just a little bit later, Mark's like, so here's what Jesus did with this woman uh, who everybody would expect who honor Jesus with just their lips, but not their hearts. She doesn't really belong with us. She's not good enough to be in our group. And like you said, both of you brilliantly, Jesus flips the script and says, actually, she does because her heart. Mm-hmm. Think of the faith of this woman. Yeah. I, you know, not to be offended even, to mm-hmm. shake to shake off what could have been an offensive statement if she could have interpreted it that way and to say, but even the dogs get the scraps. I mean, let, let's face it, Jesus. I, I need what you have and what God can give me and God provides. Um, it's such a great story. And it, yeah. and it reminds us just how, uh, how radical and revolutionary Jesus flipping the script is and saying, all right, this is what you want me to say. 
but I'm going to, I'm going to heal her daughter. I'm going to, I'm going to make right what this world has, has done wrong. Yeah. And again, just pointing to the fact that God goes out of his way to reach all people. Right. Mm. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> well said. You guys are kind of weaving Old Testament with New Testament. We have a few questions about that. One just came in. Leviticus says you cannot eat pig, but Mark says all food is acceptable. How? Yeah. I, I think, again, you think of the setup and the punchline. Understanding the context and the timing is important. And the cultural context is important. There's ways that... Two different the, covenants. Two different covenants. The people of God and as the nation of Israel are there to to create the space for the Messiah to come and to be the nation from which the Messiah comes. And then when the Messiah comes, he doesn't just change whether or not you can eat bacon, which as a bacon lover, I'm really glad he changed that. But you're, also, you're free, Ben. I'm free to eat bacon. Yeah. This is amazing. Uh, but also... He changes everything. Like it's so much deeper than this. And that's just one of the symbols of the ways that we're free. Mm-hmm. And and then the the division that people make about race isn't about race at all. You're, you're chosen and blessed to be a blessing. Hmm. The reason why the, the chosen people of God are meant to be different is so that the world can see that they're meant to be different. Mm-hmm. And I just think that's tremendously empowering and encouraging for us as well. That's great. Yeah. Keep them coming. Yeah. Why do you think Mark includes such blatant displays of misunderstanding and faithlessness among the disciples? You hit that a little bit. And the Pharisees. Um, and how does that connect with our Old Testament readings from Numbers 1 through 18 this week? It's all, you know, it talked about two different covenants, but this is where there's repetition. Mm-hmm. Uh, human nature, our sinful human nature trips us up over and over again. We've talked a little bit about this along the way. The disciples still they're right with Jesus and they don't necessarily get it. The Nazarenes, they see Jesus grow up, but they still don't get it. You can be super close yeah. to, to the scene and not understand the scene that you're looking at, or the, or in this case, the Messiah that you're looking at. Um, in the Old Testament, our reading from Numbers this last week is this beautiful story. Numbers means in the wilderness. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean accounting. It, it, I mean, there's a lot of numbers in there, but right. it, it literally means... God's people are wandering the wilderness, taking a two-week journey and stretching it out to 40 years <laughs> because they're led by so men who there? won't ask for directions. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Too soon. Uh, too, okay. Yeah. Is that too sensitive? Right, okay. But we, we, we can't help but reach any other conclusion as we read this because Scripture makes it clear. The two-week journey turned into 40 years because of disobedience, right. yeah. because they broke the covenant, because... Even though they were right there, you know, at the base of Mount Sinai, the presence of God, they're carrying the, the Ark of the Covenant. They're, they've got all these rules, these rituals. They are the descendants of Abraham and Sarah. They, they've got an incredible resume. Hey, we're it. We can do no wrong. God, you have to, you know, be for us anyway. But here's the, one of the cool things about God, and I, and I love the way I, I heard about this a long time ago, and I say it a lot. God honors our disobedience. Mm-hmm. He honors our disobedient choices. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, you want to run away from yeah. me? I'm going to let you. Think of the parable of the prodigal son. Yeah. If you run away from me, I'm not, I'm not going to chase you down. I'm, I'll still be there. I, I still, it breaks my heart, God says. Right. I want you to come back. But God honors our disobedient choices, and he also leaves us to suffer the consequences of those choices. It's not God doing it to us. It's us doing it to ourselves so many times. Uh, and over and over that comes up. The disciples don't quite get it. The Pharisees definitely don't get it. And they're hostile about it. God's people in the Old Testament don't get it. And so there's all these 
repeated themes from Old to New Testament that are so relevant for us in 2023, Mm. living as people, you know, on planet Earth. It obedience to God matters, right? Yeah, and and you see over and over in the Old Testament God's steadfastness, right? Mm. And 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 his care for detail, and that's you know, people can read numbers and go, oh my goodness, what is going on here? (laughs) But God is ordering these tribes in a certain way because they have gifts. And the people yeah. don't recognize that they want to be they want to be the Levi tribe who gets access to the holy of holies, right? But but they don't realize that every single person of this group of people has an incredible gift and passion. Mm-hmm. Um, and beware if you try to step against God's ways; He'll thwart you with His wrath. God uh, is God. Yeah. <laughs> well, and and that honoring your disobedience is really key because what you see. Uh, is the people of God literally saying, we don't want to go to the promised land. Right. They literally say that. Exactly. It's, mm-hmm. it's not God saying you can't get in. The people say, we don't want to. And God says, fine, let's yeah. have it your way. They 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 send 12 spies under God's uh, provision to go and search the land out, and 10 of them come back. And it's, if you pay attention to the way the story unfolds, they're like, oh, they have lots of fortifications, and the people are pretty scary. And then it gets even worse. Like they they have uh, they have giants there. Like not only that, these are their nephilim. These are the people that that are those people from old that are that are amazing. And not only that, the land devours its inhabitants. Like it gets worse and worse the more they tell the story. And at some point, you just got to okay. I'm I'm not going to force you. <laughs> right. I'm not going to force well, you to you, go. And as you read Mark today, um, you see you see. You know, the disciples are asked the question, what do you believe who Jesus is? The the Pharisees are asking that. The crowds are asking those questions. And the people in numbers are asking the same questions of Moses and Aaron, who have this special opportunity to to bring God's word to them on a regular basis. And it's more of a question of what's in your heart? Like, do you see the gifts around you that God has provided through his word? And will you receive that? Yeah. And will you let that transform you? So let's take it to here. The same way with us. Like, I have so many gifts. Yeah. I have so many blessings in my life, but I can easily focus on just the things that I don't like or just the things that are bad. Mm-hmm. And it's, that's true for every single person, no matter your situation. I don't doubt that whatever you're going through is hard, but I don't doubt also that God has blessed you. And it's not like, oh, just wish away the things that are bad. But what you focus on can make a huge difference in your life. Well, look at that in the Old Testament story from Numbers, Mm. from Leviticus last week. As they journey in the wilderness, God is providing. Every God provides food, manna, like must be Krispy Kreme donuts that are good for you. I don't know what, but (laughs) nobody's exactly sure. But it's food, and it satisfies, and it's nutritious, and and it handles everything they need, provides water, uh, provides protection against enemy nations. Like you said, we we ultimately have to choose what is our focus going to be, that God is providing or that something isn't quite perfect in this fallen, messed up, imperfect, not yet heaven world that we live in. I also think it's really important that we not just tell this part of the story, the wandering part, but where it leads. I mean, we know where it leads, yeah. spoiler alert, but God's people do get to the promised land yeah. and the disciples do get it. And, yeah. and it's not because they get it that they're saved. They were saved before they got it, mm. before yeah. they understood everything. Jesus has the same kind of grace that the psalmists declare about God, um, that his 
his his mercy endureth forever. It yeah. it lasts and it lasts and it lasts. And so God, even though He will honor our, our disobedient choices and not uh, protect us from the consequences of our sin, He doesn't give up on us. Right. He doesn't wash His hands of us. The father in the prodigal son story is overjoyed when his son repents and turns around and starts coming home, runs mm-hmm. to meet him. So God's nature in this whole thing isn't, well, they did it to themselves, too bad for them. God's nature in this whole thing is it breaks my heart, but that's I, I give you, me, all of us, the choice between obedience and disobedience. And if you obey, it'll go better for you and the world around you. If you disobey, it won't go as well, but I'll never give up on you. I, I will continually... Um, be your God, and I will keep my side of the covenant even when you break your side. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in fact, and I think it's chapter 16 of Numbers, you have this beautiful, um, well, you have an insurrection rising up, right? <laughs> sure, and sure. And the beautiful part of it, though, is that Moses and Aaron put their face to the ground and asked God to spare people's lives. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, we, we often talk about, you know, does God hear our prayers? Does he answer? Does, can you change God's heart? And here you have one of those beautiful reminders of the fact that God is listening, God mm-hmm. is in it, and he is going to protect. Yep. Yeah. This is deep. We didn't say we're in the deeper dive, <laughs> yeah. but I think we started the deeper dive about five minutes <laughs> yeah, in. So, so. so let's just splash down now and, and keep it going as yeah. we as we uh, finish up. Yeah, a couple more. Uh, what does Jesus mean when he says it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich person to enter God's kingdom? Well, I think it relates to these things because... What you see with people that are really rich, and if you've been around people that are rich and people that aren't, it's people are people. You can be really poor and captivated by money or be really rich and captivated by money. But when you have something, whether it's money or good looks, no, that's my, no, that's not my problem. Or you, you, whatever. You're, you're burdened with good looks. Uh, yeah. You have an amazing, majestic beard. Uh, you know, Although, <laughs> I will say just for fun, if you look at pictures of Ben when he was young, the the striking similarity between you and Jason Bourne is is absolutely uncanny. When I was young, yes. Uh, still, still. Now I look like Matt Damon. Underneath the beard. Yeah. Underneath the beard. You know, I look like Matt Damon if he was gaining weight for a role. You know, it's like <laughs> on. Uh, one of these things where um, if you, whatever it is that you can look to for your self-sufficiency, you will. Yeah. And that's why it's harder for a rich man to get into heaven than... To, for a camel to go through that eye of a needle, and we don't need to like take the obscure the uh, absurdity out of the metaphor. Take it for what it is. Imagine trying to stuff a camel through the eye of a literal needle, and you get Jesus' point. And the disciples are amazed by this when he says it because they assume like if you're rich, then it must mean that God has blessed you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And for us, what we see is our riches as a. Uh, a source of self-sufficiency where I don't really have to rely on God. And that's why it's a danger. Anything that you have that you rely on instead of God keeps you from God. Yeah. Yeah, God's against things that distract us from him. Absolutely. That mm-hmm. would become false gods, idols. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I, you, you think about the old Testament and you think about the new Testament and the kingdoms, doorways and gates were made smaller. So you couldn't bring in, you know, large armies or, or animals that would conquer your kingdom. But also in this, what's beautiful is that Jesus is listening to this man rattle off Mosaic law. Like yeah. if you, we just came out of a season of Good the Ten point. Commandments, right? So basically from four to ten are all the things that you, you know, I'm not going to steal, I'm not going to murder, I'm not going to covet. The, the rich man forgets about the fact that Jesus 
Jesus is here not only as a Lord, but to point to the fact that I'm the Messiah, um, and we are to worship the Lord our God. Mm-hmm. We're to keep a Sabbath. Uh, we're not to take on idols. And so, you know, the, the rich man has a lot of great answers and even knows that he can't take some of that stuff with him, but he's not, he's replaced some of the things for, for idols and, and not putting the Lord first and foremost. That's mm-hmm. good. There's drama in this story. There is. Look at, look at, um, we're in Mark chapter 10, if you're yeah. following along uh, in your Bibles. And it's, look at verse 22 of Mark 10. As soon as Jesus tells him, go and sell all your possessions, at this, the man's face fell Mm -hmm. and he went away sad for he had many possessions. Like, oh, I have to give up everything to follow Jesus? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you do. Mm -hmm. You you, you have to give up everything to follow Jesus. Well, who could do that? It's impossible. Exactly. Mm -hmm. It's about as possible as a camel getting through the eye of a needle and, and a rich man getting into the kingdom of God. So let's not water it down. Let's just let it be. But then let's also get to verse 27, where Jesus says, now, humanly speaking, it's impossible. With God. But not with God. <laughs> Everything is possible with God. Yeah. Which, you know, here's the other beautiful thing about reading all of these uh, verses in context. Instead of just pulling texts out and saying, well, we're going to teach on this, or even we're going to preach on this, or we're going we're gonna to follow this theme or whatever. When you read the Bible straight through like we're doing, the whole Holy Bible in a year, Old mm-hmm. Testament track, New Testament track all together, you start to see where some of these repeatable, rather famous lines find their context. Yeah, Jesus said everything's possible with God in other places too, but he said it here yeah. when he was talking about a rich man whose face fell because mm-hmm. he thought, I'm doing everything right. to get right with you. And there's probably a lot of us who get a little religious sometimes who feel that way too. I think I'm good because I'm doing all these things. And then when Jesus challenges, yeah, but you haven't given up everything. Right. Whatever that everything is for me, for you, for mm-hmm. any of us. And then when he realizes that, that's when Jesus gives him the good news. Yeah, I'm not going to water it down for you. You do have to give up everything. But what's impossible for you is possible for God. Now we see it in context and it just sings true. Same thing in the Old Testament reading this week. Numbers chapter 6, verse 24, I think it is, is... The Lord bless you and keep you. The mm-hmm. Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon your favor and give you peace. Oh, that's not just in the hymnal. <laughs> no, that's for the people who are wandering around who and God lost. was providing and yeah. God was still uh, pouring his mercy and grace out on them. Even though they were disobedient, he still gave them that blessing. And it's been repeated for thousands of years ever since. So in the face of that blessing, in the face of Jesus, like he's grieved. And the same with the people. And how tragic for us when we go away sad because what we have to give up to gain everything. Yeah, I came, it's crazy. We'll read about this later in John, but a little preview, John says, I came to put joy in you yeah. and to make that joy complete. I, I didn't come to make you grumpy, um, super hyper, like um, sanctimonious, pious people. <laughs> I, 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 I called you to have joy. Mm-hmm. Christians should have the best parties, yeah. you know, not not the most boring ones. And by best, I don't mean wildest, out of control, where everybody walks away crying and fighting. Because those aren't really those aren't the best parties. <laughs> I'm talking about real joy, where we love being with the people we're with, and and we enjoy the time together, like the staff retreat yesterday, like yeah. this. Yeah, friends sitting around talking about the Bible. It's yeah. it's good stuff. Right. Yeah. We got to a lot. We have a number uh, that we kind of wove through. Otherwise, I think this is really great, accepting questions. I think people are digging in, asking really good things. So we'll continue to do this and forge ahead. 
Let me ask this as we as we draw this episode to conclusion. So we're a few weeks in to our Bible reading. Um, what's what's surprising you, or what's standing out? What's what's jumping off the pages for you guys? Just short answers, and then we'll wrap it up. I'm kind of reminded from just thinking and reading these stories over and over again, again, and just thinking about the congregation. And a number of years ago, yeah. we, as we were building the care ministries, there was a, a member of that. Uh, lay team uh, that was helping to kind of build that out. And, I, and I, I'll never forget this, but I'm reminded as we're reading these stories, especially about God's people, that a broken crayon still colors. And, and that we're always in works. Oh, we're, always, we're always works in progress. Yeah. And God's love continues to kind of find us and, and allows for us to paint and, and color, uh, sometimes outside the lines, but he's soft and he's gentle and he brings a little correction and then we get back in the lines. Mm-hmm. Good. I'm really struck by the echoes that you see from the Old Testament yes. into the New Testament. Mm-hmm. And from some parts of the Old Testament, you see echoes from Genesis here in Numbers where, uh, you know, over and over again, God is doing what God has always done. His mm-hmm. faithfulness endures forever, it says in the Psalms. Mm-hmm. And you see that, his faithfulness through the Psalms and his faithfulness in Jesus. And when you read it together like this, the New Testament at the same time as the Old Testament, and then you're confronted with things that you find are challenging in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. You see that God doesn't change. God's faithfulness is true forever. And then you can see the ways that God changes us, Mm -hmm. the way that he he doesn't change, but he changes the world so that we can be more uh, through him than we ever could be without him. Mm. Yeah. How about you, Emily? What's standing out? Yeah, I think in general the good reminders about like, this is how reading the word is how God speaks to us. Mm -hmm. And so those little moments along the way of like, wow, God did this. Oh, he still does. Or, Mm -hmm. oh, he, he's doing that for me too. Mm -hmm. That's why digging into this is so important and doing it together is so important because I don't know all the details that you guys do. And so to learn throughout, uh, as we go, all the ways that it's woven together because it was this one great mission is incredible. Yeah, you know things we don't know though too about God's <laughs> word. So, so and we all have that. Yeah. It, for me, it's it's that. It's what you just said, and it's it's the blessings God gives, but the consistency, mm-hmm. the um, the priority of it, the depth mm-hmm. of God's word, how true it stays yeah. in, in its consistent message, even though the Bible was written over a period of anywhere from. Scholars now are saying maybe 1,600 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, last I had checked, it was 13 or 14, but I dug a little deeper. It could have been 1,600 years. Common theme, even though they didn't necessarily have each other's books when these mm-hmm. were being written. The consistency of God, the depth of God, the authority of God's word, mm-hmm. to the point where what really is striking me as I'm reading through this, in addition to finding you know these phrases in context and how they fit instead of just piecing them out, is to know that there couldn't be anything... Uh, more trustworthy mm. than God's word, mm-hmm. that, that it has such depth and it has such consistency historically too, yeah. and not just theologically, but historically it, it, the dots are connected, that this holds together in a way that nothing else could unless yeah. it came from the highest of all authorities. And so our faith is well-placed mm-hmm. when we put it in, in, in trust of God's word, that what we're reading will truly bless us and bless this world and the people around us and, yeah, there's been a lot of goosebump moments for me along the way where it's like, mm-hmm. God, you are so good. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you still love somebody like me, somebody like all of us, somebody, <laughs> you know, every that's an incredible uh, affirmation and reminder of who we are and whose we are. Yeah. And how good it is to be in God's word. So 
keep reading, uh, folks. Keep keep on this. Uh, stick with it. Just don't quit. Just do it. As <laughs> I preached about this last weekend. And um, I know you'll be blessed if you do. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for faithfulness. Ben, Pat, thanks for joining Emily yeah. and I. Thanks Great for conversation. Me. And we will see you again on this podcast next week. And then we'll see you at worship this weekend. Thanks for joining us today. Please make sure to like and subscribe on your favorite platform. And we'll see you next time. Yeah.